Hi there, and welcome to the Homeschool Sisters podcast. I'm Kate, and I'm a homeschooling mom doing this homeschool thing right beside you. I don't have it all figured out, but one thing I know for sure is that homeschooling is a lot easier when you have a sister by your side. Join me and other down-to-earth members of the homeschool community as we share the reality of what this homeschooling journey is really like. Hey sisters, Kate here. Before we get to this week's episode, I just wanted to give you a little heads up. Here and there throughout the episode, there are some audio glitches. The story behind it is that our guest, Betsy, and I tried to record twice before this episode, and Zoom was giving us such a hard time. So we decided we're just going to go with it, and I did the best we could in editing. But what Betsy has to say is so important. If you have ever worried about math, if you have a middle schooler, tween or teen, and beyond or below, the things that Betsy is going to share in this episode as a curriculum specialist and a math educator educator. She's just amazing. She was one of our very first guests that we've ever had in Neverboard Learning back in early 2021 when we opened. And I am delighted to bring her to the Homeschool Sisters community so that you can get to know her as well. Betsy Mays is a wife, mother, math teacher, and game creator. She has a bachelor's degree in elementary education and a master's in educational leadership. After spending 27 years in public education, she is now on a mission to give parents and teachers tools they can use in the way of games to make learning math fun and stress-free. Betsy's company is called Games by Absolute Zero. Games by Absolute Zero was created out of a desire to turn kids on to math and to make math practice fun and engaging. Its creator, Betsy Mays, is a middle school math teacher. And parents were always asking Betsy, how can I help my child be successful in math? It was never my strong subject. Playing games is one of the many things parents and teachers can do with kids to strengthen math skills. All right, sisters and game schoolers and sisters who want to be game schoolers, let's get to this episode. I can't wait to introduce you to Betsy Mays. Hi, Betsy. Hi, Kate. How are you today? I'm doing really well. How are you? Fabulous. Thank you. It's great to talk to you again. I had you into Neverboard Learning in mid-2021, and we had a great conversation at that point about math and math games with children and teens. And so I'm excited to share you with the sisters community because I know that there are a lot of game schoolers, and there's also a lot of people who are very curious about how to make it work in their homeschool. So I'm really happy to have you on today. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. So for anyone who doesn't know you, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. My name is Betsy Mays. I am a mom, wife, math teacher, math curriculum instruction specialist, and now a game creator. Could you tell us a little bit about Games by Absolute Zero and the games that you have? So they came into fruition about five years ago, but before that, I loved playing games in my classroom. So I was always looking for ways to make math fun, interesting, and engaging. And one of the games I created involved positive and negative numbers, but I was using a regular deck of cards. So the kids had to remember that red was negative, black was positive, kings were 13. And it was a lot when you're trying to also remember the rules of the game and your integer operations. So my own children said, hey, mom, why don't you just create deck of cards that you're looking for. And I did. And that's where absolute zero was born. So it's a deck with positive and negative cards in it. And the object of the game is to create a value of zero in your hand. And since then, I have three new games on the market and two more hopefully out by the end of the year. 
Oh, fantastic. We discovered you from games by absolute zero because I was teaching my kids positive and negative numbers. And it was just something <clears throat> they're all close in age. So I always tried to keep everybody involved in what we were learning about, despite the various math that they were using. And it was really hard to as you said, there are a lot of games out there that homeschoolers can use with a deck of cards. And it is hard to keep in your mind that a queen is what value um, and the right. colors. And so I found absolute zero and I was like, this is perfect. And we started playing and the way that you have it, like you, you maintain the colors. So it's very easy for them to remember, but it made it so much easier for them to get the concept of zero in the middle. And also the other thing I wanted to mention that we talked about in Neverboard Learning that was like an aha moment for a lot of parents was you had mentioned that in your classrooms, you started using number lines instead of using the traditional horizontal number line that we all had taped to our desk in elementary right. school. You started <laughs> using the vertical one. And that that to me just makes so much more sense. And it was an aha moment for a lot of members in the Neverboard Learning community who have reported that their kids didn't understand it before, but as soon as you put them vertical, it was like, oh, that makes sense. So that came about by a PBS cartoon my son watched called Cyber Chase. I think you can still find it on YouTube. And it's a cute little cartoon with math concepts. And in that one, the kids were going up and down an elevator with the floors marked positive and negative for basement. And they were trying to find somebody, you know, with the elevator numbers being up. And my son at the age of five, could tell me that negative three was less than negative two because he had this vision of a vertical number line and could see it in his mind. So I thought, my goodness, if my five-year-old is getting this concept, maybe I could take this vertical number line to my seventh graders. And it really made a big difference. I'm slightly dyslexic. I think a lot of people might be, just get that left and right confused and to know that the right is always larger. It just, it's tough. So if you put it up and down, it's for a lot of people, it makes more sense that the higher you are, the bigger it is, like with temperature. Were there other games that you used in your, with your middle school students that gave you ideas for games that you've created now? I really think Absolute Zero was the main one. From that, I created a game called Hunch because we tried playing it with the Absolute Zero deck and it worked, but you didn't have a visual. Hunch is finding distance on a number line. So for example, you have hunch that the card's gonna be a three and you flip it over and it's really a negative two. Your distance is five, so your score for that hand is five. That distance on a number line, especially across zero, is really a tough concept for kids. And my cards have the number line, vertical number line printed on each card so the kids could count how far off their guess was to help them with that. That was another game that came from the classroom that I played. I love that because then you can include children and teens who already get the concept. And then also the kids who are maybe not, haven't completely grasped it and need right. a little bit of that help. And then they can all play together and, and even exactly. Even level. I try to put I try to put support on my cards for kids that need it. So like for ten fish, it's go fish, but you're making tens. I have ten frames on there with a fish in it. So if your card is a three, there's ten on the card with three fish. So some students just know, oh, I need seven more. Other kids can count how many blank spaces there are on the card to know what they need to ask for. And that's such at that age, getting base ten is it's like hard to explain. A couple of my kids had trouble with that concept. And it was just right. like, we would just play games and play with manipulatives. I wish I had that when I was teaching when my kids were little, you know what I mean? It would have made right. it just so much easier. I would. And one of the reasons I created that game was even in my seventh grade math classroom, I found kids that 
didn't know intuitively or instinctively or right away that three and seven was 10. So when you're borrowing and carrying with addition and subtraction, that's a really important skill. And if you don't have that and you're having to count on your fingers, how many more you have or subtract on your fingers, it really slows the process down. And having that visual really helps. We get a lot of questions from parents. So let me start with the little ones. So when little kids are learning math, I think if someone is homeschooling, especially if they came from a traditional public school background, I worked in education. I know we have a lot of teachers turned homeschoolers. You have this idea in your head of what school is supposed to look like because you were used to a classroom of 15 to 25 kids that were all learning the same thing at the same time. What would you say to parents as far as games go? Is it okay to not use the workbook as described every single day at a certain time? Or do you think they can have more fun, especially in the younger years? I think in all the years they can have more fun. Workbooks, worksheets, they have a place. They're good sometimes, but let's face it, they're pretty boring and they're dry. And who looks forward to opening up their workbook and doing another page? So in my classroom, that's why I always tried to incorporate games and even sometimes substitute a game for the other lesson. So that's what I would recommend to parents that are homeschooling is if your child's struggling or not or bored or disengaged, look for something different, whether it's a game or a hands-on activity or a different initiative. You don't have to complete the whole workbook. You can skip sections if you're doing that somewhere else. I did a lot of justifying with my principal when she'd walk in and see us playing games and look at me like, what's going on in here? And I'd explain what standards I was covering and what social skills we were working on and things like that. Yeah, I think it's a, it can help parents too if you know the standards because then you can, especially depending on the how strict your documentation is in your particular state mm-hmm. or region, it just you can just feel better knowing this meets standard, blah, blah, blah. And then anyone questions you and you can make it work for you. It also works really well for, so I would use, especially in the early years and middle school years, if we were butting heads over a concept like long division, which every single one of my kids (laughs) got really frustrated with at some point. That's a whole other topic I could go off on. (laughs) Oh, I would love to, but I would set it aside and play games for a while just to let everyone to cool down. It might be like a week. It might be 10 days would do other things that were working other skills that you need for long division. But also I had a kid, two kids who are extraordinarily mathy. And so doing, even if they were above level in their, uh, whatever program they were using, they didn't always need to do the whole, if there were like 20 questions, I would have them do every other or something like that. Or sometimes right, we'd right. be like, he gets it. So we'll just play a game and you can exactly. use it in that way too. Cause you don't have to, you don't have to be tied to what the, whoever created the program is telling you right. what to do. That's a great idea. What were you going to say about long division? <laughs> Cause I know we, everybody out there. I know is I'll like, probably oh. get back for this. I'll get some flack for this. Even in my, as I've been a math specialist for my district. So I oversaw K-12 education in a very large district in Arizona. And I was telling teachers, don't kill the kids with long division. Yes, we have to cover it. Yes, you should try to teach it. Yes, there's different strategies we can go about. But when you get into that fifth grade long division, that's really where long division comes in. Fourth grade, you're pretty much doing a one digit into a multi-digit. And that's not all that tricky. The kids can usually get that. But the multi-digit into a multi-digit, I don't know about you or I don't do long division by hand no. anymore. We have calculators. No. So I think the having the idea of division is, right? Having that idea of division is being able to explain it and being able to estimate it. 
that is the big thing. So if you know that it should be about 100, 150, if you can tell how many of this goes into this approximately, and then check with your calculator how close you were, to me, that's more valuable than knowing it to the exact hundredth of a decimal place. It's just done so much. And I think especially when you're in school, because there's a large group of people, everyone has to Mostly everyone needs to be on board in order to move to the next thing. So it can be a lot of drill and kill and really stressful. And so I'm going to move on to the students master what topic you're on. How much are you not getting to then? How much are they not being exposed to? What if a student is like, for example, geometry is usually at the end of a unit or at the end of the year, at least in most of the curriculums I've seen. And that's something that's fun, engaging, and a lot of kids can get geometry without knowing long division or even their multiplication facts right off the top of their head. So we're denying our children experiences because we're getting stuck in one topic. They try it, drop it, go do something else, come back, maybe sprinkle it in. A lot of those things are developmental too. Some kids just aren't ready for that. And it's okay. Age doesn't dictate where we should be in math or where we should be in a lot of things. And developmentally, we're all a little different and we different paces and that's okay. There's being wrong or good or bad about any of it. So you've just got to let your kids grow into it on their own. I love that because they'll be more receptive if they, we tried to record mm-hmm. yesterday and I was telling you, <laughs> we, we had Zoom issues, but I was telling you that my youngest has always, he's about, he's almost 12 and he's always hated writing. So even though he has the ideas and the stories and could talk at length, these, you know, whatever, he mm-hmm. does not like putting pen or pencil to paper and never has and would mathematically figure out the fewest number of letters that he could use to answer whatever it was. And that's just not his skill, but yet it's something that he's going to need to use for his whole life. So now as he's entering seventh grade next year, he's been saying all this year, like, I really need to learn this because I need to write then and here he's realizing that it's just one of those things like laundry. That's just something in life mm-hmm. that you need to do that's <laughs> going to be there, whether you like it or not. That compared to him, like three or four years ago, where everything was a battle is just sometimes if you wait, they realize themselves and they have this internal motivation that even if they don't like it, this is something that I'm going to need to know. Correct. And I like what you said about how we don't really do long division that much anymore, because it made me think when I was doing, my daughter was doing different, you know, the conversions with quarts and gallons and pints. Mm -hmm. I spatially have always had trouble. There's some, you were mentioning dyslexia, a little bit of dyslexia. I think we all have strengths and weaknesses and spatial skills have Mm -hmm. never been mine and will never, I'm almost 45, they'll never at this point going to be my thing. And I said to her, she was so frustrated over it. And I was like, I was the same way. And the good news for you is you can just say, Hey, Google, or the other one that I'm not going to name because she'll start talking how much they can. It's so much more accessible to you now that it almost doesn't matter if it's something that you can't figure out internally. Exactly. So we want to give our kids problem solving abilities. Can figure things out, know where to get the information and have some basic knowledge. I'm not saying we don't need to teach any math or any of our kids don't need to know their facts. That's not what I'm saying, but developmentally, we need to know they're ready. And we've got to pick up of all the math concepts. Are we going to kill ourselves over long division with only two questions on that standardized test at the end of the year? Those are kind of some of the things I'm thinking of. And I know as a seventh grade math teacher, I never required kids to do long division. I expected either or they weren't going to get it now. Here's a calculator. We're moving on to algebra and other topics. 
Yeah, we're in a different phase. I can remember one of my math teachers saying, you're not going to have a calculator on you. So you're going to need to know this. And now we all have calculators in our pockets. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> so it's a different, we're in a different world right. now. One of the things I really enjoyed right. talking with you about when you came to Neverboard Learning, at that time we had, we were in the midst of the Olympics and you had mentioned how you incorporated the Olympics into your classroom in a really fun hands-on way, but there was so much math sprinkled in that, that the kids were learning. And I was saying, I can remember doing the stock market game when I was in sixth or seventh grade. And I can remember it so vividly. Like I remember what I was selling, who might open the store (laughs) with me. I just think that there are some ways that we can make and this isn't just math, but you can make concepts stick so much better when you incorporate a playfulness and hands-on element to it, which is, can be really challenging to do in a traditional school. And you mentioned your principal coming in um, and right. making sure you're actually learning At, in a homeschool situation. When you have fewer children that you're teaching, you can really add more of that in. Could you speak a little bit about that, about how you used hands-on? This was a number of years ago. And not only did we study the country the Olympics were being hosted in, which at the time was China, we followed some of the statistics we're looking at, let's say, the sprint times of different athletes and who won and how far off second place was. And they're going out to hundreds and thousands of decimal points. So my students were comparing decimals, but in a real life situation where they'd see where it mattered. How are we going to determine who won this race? Which number is smaller? So we did a lot of that, but then we had our own games. So I created just fun games, paper, waste, basket toss, and I had a little ping pong ball that we blue with a straw to see who could make the furthest and just some fun games like that. We tracked the data, we graphed it. We then had winners with the medals and everything that we just made. It wasn't anything expensive. But I know talking to students now, a lot of them remember that time in class where we were playing games and graphing, having fun. Um, that experience, them, but I hope to, to hope to think that the math did too. I bet it did. And you said that your son had a similar stock market experience? Oh, so in middle school, I'm 25 now, 12, 13 years ago when my son was in middle school, they did the stock market game. And I remember at dinner one night, he was telling, he said, mama, dad, you guys surely should invest in this new stock. It's called Tesla. He's going to do all this cool technology stuff with cars and going to space. Like, yeah, sure. Electric cars. Yeah. And we didn't invest in Tesla. And every day still, my son reminds me, yeah, I told you, you should have invested. (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) Oh yeah. I love that story. What advice would you give to parents who want to incorporate more playfulness into their day, especially with regard to math, but maybe are a little bit nervous that they might be missing things? School shouldn't be scary and stressful. That's one thing I would have seventh graders in our, in our district, K-6 was self-contained. And then seventh, eighth was a middle school where they we departmentalized. So kids moved for every subject. And one, I would tell the kid, you're, it's so nice that now you have a teacher that specializes in the subject, so they really like it. You, know, you need to have me for a math teacher because I love teaching math, and it's fun, and we can, and I'd show them different ways. So letting them take a breath and see it from a different perspective, whether it was with games or art, um, really help them have a new appreciation for it. So we don't want our kids to think that learning is a drudgery right? If they think that learning is drudgery, they have to sit at the kitchen table, open their workbook and do two pages a day or watch three videos in the afternoon. Who's going to look forward to learning? We want our kids to want to learn, be self-motivated. And if we make it or what the right word might be, why would they want to do it? So by incorporating or reading or fun features or just anything around your neighborhood or home, 
to make it much more interesting, then you're creating lifelongers. I love that. I think about it a lot. I was by, I love reading. And so I was always really interested in reading development and how to early literacy and that all of the literature. So I was thinking about this when I started homeschooling, all of the literature says you want your kids to fall in love with stories. And then if you Mm -hmm. do that naturally, because reading is a skill where they're going to, you need to work to figure out, to decode this whole system. Mm-hmm. They will have that motivation because they've fallen in love with stories. And so I always thought about that in when we fell into homeschooling, because it was not, I worked in schools and I never, if you had told me this like 13 years ago, I would have laughed so hard, but it's the same sort of thing. Like you want your kids to be interested in something so that they, or you want to find the interest to make them interested in whatever you're trying to learn so that they are motivated. And then when they're motivated and interested, it sticks more. It just makes more sense. So what would you say to parents who, I know we have a lot of parents who get really intimidated with math, especially when you get to middle school. So we get a lot of questions about middle school. Right. It's okay to let your kids know you're not sure. Let's learn this together. I would not say I'm not good at math. I don't like math. Don't say, hey, it's been a long time since I've done this. So let's learn this together. I tutor sometimes. And when I'm going to be tutoring a student that's the higher level math that I haven't looked at in a while, I watch a few Academy videos first and refresh my memory. So that's one thing to think about is there's some resources now available to us to our skills before we try to just know that you're going to learn a lot with them on this and it's okay not to have all the answers right away or to occasionally forget things. That's okay, but doesn't mean we stop or don't learn. We just keep moving along. And then you're modeling for them how to find information too. I think a lot of parents out there just right. had a big sigh of relief when they heard that a middle school math teacher will look things up <laughs> like we do, rely on the Definitely. tutorials before well, doing it. I would have students ask, why is that? Like why is something to the power of zero always one? And at first I know I'm like Good question. I'll go on that. So I'd run home. This was before the end. So you know, I'd run back home, call up some of my teacher friends, or look it up the way best way I could, and then I'd come back to them in a day or two with an answer. But it was okay to let them know I'm not 100% sure. I'll check into that for you. I was real good at memorizing the rules and the steps, so math did come easy for me. Um, but as soon as I started teaching, that wasn't the case for everybody. So I had to get creative, and that came in. I appreciate you saying that. I had, I was always a good student. I did well in math, but I found it to be the most difficult subject to teach in my homeschool because I went mm-hmm. to Catholic elementary school and you just did, this is just what you did. And I think I, my memory was really good and I just as a rule right. follower. And so I didn't have the language or the vocabulary to say, it, this is why. <laughs> so I will say I taught at elementary right. and first thing I outsourced because I had two like super mathy kids. And I was like, this program is going to be better. <laughs> like a few years ago, my son was <laughs> where I did all of my high school years. But I think it's okay to say that. I remember we had a guest on this year who was talking about, I think it was labs. She was teaching high school or homeschooling high school. And a lot of people are intimidated by labs, much like they're intimidated by high school, uh, by math in middle school mm-hmm. and high school. And they're thinking, how is that? What's that going to look like? And so she said, sometimes her kids at a certain point were more independent, but they would come to her and say, we don't understand this part. And at that point, it was a group, I believe in her home of not just her kids, but some other kids. And so she'd look at it. And just like you said, she'd mm-hmm. say, you know what? 
it's been a long time since I did this. Why don't you go do something else today and I'll come tomorrow <laughs> and I'll have answers for you. And I think that's okay because we don't know everything. Nobody well, knows. Definitely. Yeah. Nope. So are you able to tell us about games coming down the pike and it's okay if you can't? We're still in development. So I'm yeah. working on one that's for younger kids. We'll have an animal thing and I'm creating sets and runs and what's else. I'll let you know what standards those connect to and things like something a little more fun, but still has some kind of background. And then the other one will be another set of cards with operations where you're doing more math operations with them, but just another little, so they're both still in the development stages, but I'm hoping there. And another project I'm working on is a book with a friend. She has a doctorate in education and alternative alg algorithms for basic operations. It's like that division that standard is working for your child yet, we'll give you some other ways that they might be able to do that math problem without the traditional algorithm. So we'll be sharing what we're calling alternative algorithms or alternative ways to do adding, subtracting, multiplying, and dividing. Oh, I love that. So that you can have, if this isn't working for my kid with this concept, I can try this. I love that. And a lot of it is building up. Our goal might be the traditional algorithm, but here are some developmentally steps to take to build a traditional algorithm. So, uh, I don't think there's anything out there like that right now. I've looked. It's embedded in some curriculums, but not this very concise, like addition. Here's just the different algorithms and operations. So hope that all the projects I'm hoping to have out by the end of the year. I love that. As you're very busy. My so my boys yeah. who are both super mathy did Beast Academy and Art of Problem Solving. I don't know if you're familiar with it. They start off with like a graphic novel stuff. Now it's online. But I just remember thinking, because they they do what you're saying, they teach in a number of different ways. And they understood so much better from not a memorization, but a conceptual level early on. And I just remember thinking like, right. I wish this was available to me because then I would have the language to, oh, that's why we do that. <laughs> that just made so sense, so much sense the way the right. monsters were. Right. And like, like division, the, the division of fractions, we don't divide, we multiply by the reciprocal or the flip. But why? Why does that work? What does that look like if you're drawing the diagram of it? Most people just know the rule and follow that rule. Can't explain why or how that is. So yep, those, those are, are the, the kind of things that, yep. That's what I had to look up. That was one of the ones where I was like, oh, it's been a real long time since I've had to do that in my life. So let me just go back. That, that's, I think that's going to be a huge resource for parents. What would surprise parents about their kids learning math? What is something that you could say that could be like a surprise about teaching math or learning math? I think the first one would be that kids can be creative problem solvers. So instead of showing them, we've been stuck on division. Here's a division problem. Here's how you do it. Get the problem, especially in context. I say no naked problem. We should say 36 divided by four. We should say 36 cookies. You want to share them with four friends. How many cookies does each friend get? If we give them problems in a contextual situation and let them solve it on their own, you'd be surprised how creative they can be and how much they can do. I had a article can kindergartners divide with fractions and they could in that concept conceptual understanding or that context so it's really interesting what your kids can do so give them a chance and the second thing is that a lot of times kids are ready for topics or we would traditionally think so it might be integers i shared the story about understanding integers and recently i 
part-time at a Title I with a lot of English language learning students. And I had my been playing games with my fourth graders, what they do with Absolute Zero, which is designed for middle school. All fourth graders in this English language learning class got it, Absolute Zero and begged to play and understood the concept. And it was just so much fun to see that. So don't underestimate what your kids can do. I love that. I love the story of the cookies because you think about little kids, little kindergartners, everyone's going to want to know how to mm-hmm. figure out you get your equal share of the cookies. <laughs> it's like very motivating. Uh, they can figure out you have to cut some in half, right? Oh, we did. There's someone got four. What do we do? If we cut it into thirds. We each get one or a little bit. Those kind of things are totally doable. And I love that they, that your fourth graders in the title one school could fell in love with that game. I real I'm realizing now as we're talking about that, we forgot to mention that you have another version of Absolute Zero for younger kids. Right. So right. So Absolute Zero has cards from negative twelve to positive twelve with no zeros in the deck. You create a zero in your hand with combining cards. Then I developed Absolute Zero at the request of a teacher friend or junior, Absolute Junior, which goes from negative ten to positive ten. Has 10 frames on the cards with internships in them, has a zero in the deck, which makes the game a little easier. So I've got two levels of absolute zero. That's so fun. Okay. So now, if it's all right with you, I'm going to switch to our rapid fire, which is something we started doing this year. And the questions. Okay. That sounds like fun. They came from the community. So, what was your favorite childhood game or toy? You know what? I was thinking about that and it was bicycle. I lived in a country town, Indiana, and riding your bike all over especially in the summer is what we love to do. So we trails out in the woods and we'd make friends and ride to our friend's house. So it was my I love that. That we I was talking about this with my youngest actually yesterday because there's been a, like a resurgence of people making jokes about how there used to be that thing on TV at night that said, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? I think it was like during the 80s. And it was like a reminder, <laughs> what are they doing? But because I was telling him, like, we would just take off. We didn't have cell phones. They thought, right. our parents thought we were right. someplace, but inevitably you'd end up in another place <laughs> and you'd drink from the hose. And yeah, right. bi- bicycles were awesome. <laughs> yeah. What was your favorite book as a kid? I actually still have it. It's falling apart, but it's called Tree, Tree, <gasps> published in 1966. I love it. I love that you still have it. Yeah. I love seeing people's favorite oh, books. we... When you mentioned that you were a reader, my first love is reading. I grew up reading. Children grew up loving books, collect books. I moved recently, living in one home for 25 years. Do you know how many books I had to let go of when we're moving? Yeah, books and literature are part of our family. I love that. Um, Yeah, I think about the, I have trouble. I put some in the attic for should there be grandchildren or at some point. down the line but there's certain ones that I, I, some of those too. <laughs> I just can't let go of them I just have so many memories with them even though they're not going to pick them up right now what is the best book that you've read yourself in the last five or so years and I know that's hard so if you need to pick more than one that's okay I had it written down oh these is my words by Nancy Turner it's a historical fiction book have you read it no I don't think I have Nancy Turner it's yeah, these are my words. And it's about a family and pioneers traveling and they end up in Southern Arizona and I'm in Arizona. So it's fun to hear them referencing some of the locations. And it's the first the trilogy. The second two books are good, not as good, but that first one called These Is My Words was very well written and uh, just captivating. I love historical fiction. Oh, I'm going to have to look into that. And what is bringing you joy right now? Traveling with my husband. 
so tired. I'm semi-retired from my school job, and then I have a game business that's just my hobby for fun, and we enjoy traveling. We bought a trailer recently, so we travel all the, over the United States, and we're traveling. And that's what I really enjoy now. That's great. And you have, and you do it a lot during the summer too, right? Don't you take off for a, a while? Yeah. We're leaving soon for a two month trip. I love that. That's great. Before we sign off, could you tell people where they can find you online? Yep. Yeah, thank you. So my website is by absolute zero.com. And if your listeners want to pop in there, a couple things I have for you. On the bottom of my website, it says resources. Click on that. I got a few print and play games I've created and other math type things that are free for you to download. And I even have on there now a list of my created, but just one that my family enjoys playing, just for reference. I also have a blog, um, and in that blog, I share my experiences teaching kids and I'm enlisting the help some of my friends help write some of the blogs and hearing it towards teachers, parents, and homeschoolers. So I really try to make sure that the topics are that they can resonate with everybody. And in each post, I try to offer other resources, either links to other stuff as I've created. So there's a really a lot of stuff in my blog and about once a month I update it. So I'm not bombarding you with stuff, but occasionally I'll put a new post out or offer a new resource. That's great. And I will be sure to include links to everything that you've mentioned and all the resources on your site too. So that people- Okay, great. Thank you. And and the website has the stuff there, but I sell them everything through Amazon right now. On my website are links to my products, or you can just Google them on Amazon and they're available through Amazon Prime if you want to be a member of that. Perfect. Betsy, it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you. I've so much enjoyed having you back with my other community. And thank you, especially for being patient yesterday with our tech issues and coming on again today. Thank you, Kate. I enjoyed this. I hope to come back again soon. Definitely. And I hope you have an awesome summer traveling. I will. Hey, sisters, Kate here. As a lifelong gamer, school psychologist, and homeschool mom, I have witnessed time and time again the power of play when it comes to learning. In fact, I truly believe that homeschooling can be almost all fun and games. Now, does that mean it's going to be all sunshine, rainbows, and laughter? Heck to the no way. But I do believe we could all be having a heck of a lot more fun. A playful mindset can transform your homeschool routine and your family life. The best part? You don't need an overflowing game closet to get started. You can be a game schooler today with just a deck of cards, and I'd love to show you how. That's why I created Never Bored Learning. Never Bored Learning is a private online community for creative parents and educators who embrace play-based learning and game schooling. The goal of Never Bored Learning is to play more and learn lots in the process. Your Never Bored Learning membership includes access to monthly guest speakers, live Q&As, monthly day-in-the-life family spotlights, and an ever-growing library filled with printable resources, including documentation resources, challenges, and -and print-and-play games and activities. But the very best part of NBL is the private online community forum. 
This is not a Facebook group, and it is hands down my favorite spot on the internet. The community is a vibrant one, filled with creative parents and educators. I wake up every morning before my kids, I pour myself that very first cup of coffee, and I hang out in the MBL community forum. It's my favorite way to start the day, and I'd love to see you there. If you'd like to learn more about Neverboard Learning, visit neverboardlearning.com. That's N-E-V-E-R-B-O-A-R-D-L-E-A-R-N-I-N-G.com. And if you're not ready for a monthly commitment, but you're interested in getting your feet wet with game schooling, I invite you to sign up for our free seven-day game school kickstart, which you can find on mylittlepoppies.com, or enroll in our digital course, Game Schooling 101. I can't wait to show you the power that play can have on your homeschool and family life. I wish you a play-filled year, sisters. Chat soon. Bye for now.